Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is Luke, the 11th chapter, where my Bible is open to. And I would invite you to be turning to Luke, chapter 11, in your Bible as well. These next few minutes are devoted to the reading and the study and the discussion, the consideration of God's Word, the Bible. That's what this part of our worship is all about. And so you'll be benefited greatly if you'll be looking in the Bible at Luke, chapter 11. As you're getting settled in for that and for the things that are coming up here in the next few moments, let me just say again how great it is to see everyone this morning and just what a joy it is to be in this good number. We do have just a fine, fine number in attendance today, even though we do have uh, several of our folks that are out due to sickness and travel and so forth. We've got lots of guests and we appreciate so much uh, your being here. You forced some of our, our regular folks out of their regular spots. Glenn's in the, he's in the Shamu splash zone today and so... Uh, Taking a huge risk here for these next few minutes, and so I hope you got your handkerchief ready. Uh, but just so glad that you're here today as we've come to worship God uh, and to encourage one another, uh, even as we do all of that. Much to say, and I want to get right to it in Luke the 11th chapter. I want to just notice one verse right there at the very top. In Luke 11 and verse 1, the Bible says in Luke 11 and verse 1, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord... Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Let me ask our parents a question. Parents, what is the most important thing that you will teach your children? You ever thought about that? What is the most important thing that you will ever teach your children? You know, we teach our children lots of things, and we try to teach them those things very early on. We teach them how to tie their shoes, teach them how to say their ABCs, Teach them how to dial 911 in case of an emergency. Teach them when the time comes. Teach them how to drive a car, how to drive a vehicle. Dads, of course, we maybe take special interest with little boys and with our little ones to teach certain things. We teach our little ones how to, how to bait a hook. Teach our little ones how to shoot a hunting rifle when they get to the right age. Teach them how to throw a baseball or to throw a softball. Moms, of course, they teach cool stuff too. They teach how to, how to braid hair. Teach how to bake a cake, and as is even the case oftentimes in my house, how to take a selfie, how to pull out that cell phone and take a selfie. Yes, Hattie knows how to take a selfie. We teach kids lots of things because kids need to know lots of things. And so what is the most important thing that you're going to teach your child? Well, can I suggest to you that somewhere near the top of that list needs to be the very thing that the disciples asked to be taught in Luke the 11th chapter. They came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. To pray. Moms and dads, how much thought have you given to teaching your kids how to pray? The concept of prayer is a thoroughly biblical subject. The concept of prayer is found more than 600 times in the pages of Scripture. Jesus commanded His disciples to pray. Paul said that prayer is something that we need to be doing without ceasing. And I'm submitting to you this morning that one of the very most important skills that your child will ever learn and ever develop is learning how to communicate with the Almighty. Learning how to pray to God. And of course, we want to be hands-on with that. And one of the reasons that we want to be very hands-on with their their learning about prayer is because there's just so many wrong ideas about prayer. So much false teaching and wrong thinking that's just floating around out there about prayer. You've got certain people that are counting beads and lighting candles and looking at icons and pictures while they pray. Do you want those people teaching your kids about prayer? 
Or what about those people who think that prayer, prayer means you send $20 to the television preacher and you then pray that God is going to multiply that seed and He's going to send you $1,000. Do you want your kids to be taught prayer by those people? And if the answer to either of those questions is no, then can I ask you, what are you teaching your kids about prayer? Is the only teaching that they get about prayer when they come into this building? Is the only exposure to prayer, the praying that goes on in this building on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights? Maybe occasionally they hear or they're involved in a prayer before a meal. Is that the only kind of exposure that your kids are getting to prayer? We need to think very carefully about helping our kids with prayer. And this morning as we continue our year-long preaching theme on parenting in God's way, that's exactly where I want to steer this ship. And while I certainly do understand that grown-ups and mature Christians, we have a very special interest in digging deep into what the Bible says about prayer. We want to to focus and, and look at some of those more nuanced aspects of prayer, some of the complexities of prayer. In fact, Brother Luke preached on some of those very things just a couple of weeks ago, if you were privileged to be here for that. This morning, I don't want to do that. I want us to hit the rewind button a little bit. I want us to back up just a little bit and I want us to explore some of the very foundational truths of simply what it means to pray. And as we do that, I think that all of us are going to be helped. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter whether you're a parent or not, all of us are going to be benefited to think about prayer in this way so that we can pray in a better way, pray in a way that pleases God, pray in a way that draws us closer to Him. Because while talking to God, that's a big deal to a four-year-old. Talking to God is a big deal even if you're a 40-year-old. doesn't matter where you are in life. So let's take these next few minutes to just think about some of the basics of prayer and how we can then impart those truths to our children and to our grandchildren. And I want to submit to you that that discussion needs to begin this morning by just talking about our faith in God. About the fact that God is there... And that God hears our prayers. And we need to start right here and get this one out in the open because this is, this is one of the toughest things about prayer. Is that we are talking to somebody that we cannot see. And you know what? That's a difficult thing sometimes for people to grasp. Sometimes as adults, we just kind of do that so routinely. That's just so old hat to us that we don't even give that a whole lot of thought. But you know what? If you had never prayed before, That'd be a hard pill to swallow. Talking to this person that I I can't even see. I'm supposed to be saying some things. I'm supposed to be talking to somebody. and Nobody seems to actually be there. What in the world's up with that? And of course, kids especially are going to struggle with that idea. There's a story that's told of a little boy who was in his bedroom. And he was getting put to bed. And it was all dark in there at night. And so he was really, really afraid. And he cried, Mama, 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 I'm afraid. His mama said, don't be afraid, son. God is with you. About a minute later, the little boy cried out again, Mama, Mama, it's dark in here. I'm afraid. She said, oh, the Lord is with you. About a minute after that, he cried out again, Mama, Mama, I'm afraid in here. She says, now I told you, God is with you. He said, you know what? I wish somebody was in here with me who had some skin on. And the truth of the matter is, God doesn't have any skin on. But He wants us to talk to Him anyway. 
And kids sometimes are going to have some difficulty with understanding that. In fact, if your child was talking to somebody who was not there, you would maybe chalk that up to, you know, just childishness and maybe imagination. They've got an imaginary friend. But of course, if they kept doing that long enough and they didn't grow out of that, you might take them in for examination, have their head checked out. And why? Well, just generally speaking, it's not normal to talk to people who are not there. But when we pray, when we pray, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to pray to somebody who is not physically there. We're going to speak to the one that we cannot even see. Well, how do we work with that? How do we help our kids with that? How do we help them sort through that process? Well, I believe right here is exactly where we have to start. We need to just strongly affirm that even though you can't see Him, God is there. And just because you can't see Him does not mean that He is not present or that He cannot hear what you are saying to Him. And that's why we want to build just a very strong platform of faith upon which prayer stands. That needs to begin maybe by just saying some things to our youngsters about creation. Maybe that's a good place to start. Look in Psalm 19 with me. In Psalm the 19th chapter, it is true that we cannot see God, but we can certainly see what God has done, can't we? And in Psalm 19, David wants to talk about some of those evidences for God. How the fact that God's fingerprints are just everywhere. In Psalm 19 and in verse 1, David writes the following. Psalm 19 verse 1, he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. You can continue on reading in that passage. David continues to emphasize this, that we look around and we see creation And we know, don't we? We know that God exists. We know He has to be there. And we need to be talking about that with our kids. We need to be talking about that with them regularly so that they can make that connection. That we cannot see the Creator, but we most certainly can see His creation. We know He's there. We know He's there because we see the proof of it all around us. And furthermore, closely connected to this, we want to help our kids to know and understand that God is there and that He hears our prayers because... Well, because the Bible, the Bible says so. There we go. Because the Bible says so. We want them to believe and trust in God's Word so that whenever we do have some of those uncertainties, we're not sure about some things, or some things in our heart that's causing us some, some misgivings, what we can do is we can then open up our Bible and it'll help resolve those doubts. And the good news is the Bible is absolutely filled with affirmations, example after example, that God hears our prayers. I'll show you my favorite in 2 Chronicles, please. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, this this is Solomon's dedication of the temple. And one of the great things about this dedication ceremony that takes place here is just how often Solomon talks about God Hearing our prayers. And he entreats upon God to hear his prayer. In 2 Chronicles 6, when there's just a portion of this prayer, in verse 19. 2 Chronicles 6 and in verse 19, Solomon says to the Lord, he says, Yet have regard, in other words, listen, hear Lord, have regard to the prayer that your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be open day and night toward this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. Verse 21. 
And listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. And listen from heaven your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. That is just one of dozens upon dozens of passages of Scripture that assure us that God hears what we say. And in fact, if you were to read the rest of that prayer and on into chapter 7, what you'll find is that not only did God hear that prayer that day, the Lord answered. The Lord responded in a powerful way from heaven. That is awesome. God hears and answers His children's prayer. And what we are doing whenever we stress these basic kinds of ideas with our kiddos is we are stressing the importance of that word right there. We're stressing the importance of faith. Look at Hebrews the 11th chapter, please. In Hebrews chapter 11, faith is absolutely essential to prayer. But I want you to notice, it's also just absolutely essential to our relationship with God as a whole. In Hebrews chapter 11, look in verse 6. In Hebrews 11 and in verse 6, the Hebrew writer says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. Everything that we do, it is based on faith in God. And it's certainly not a blind faith, no. It's a faith that's built on evidence. Evidence in creation. Evidence in God's Word. But the basis for our relationship with God is faith. We trust that God is there. We trust that God cares for us. We trust that God hears us. In fact, if you'll turn over just a couple of pages in the book of James, in James chapter 1, James tells us specifically That faith is a must in prayer. In James chapter 1, James talks in verse 5 about praying for wisdom. That's a good thing to pray for. He then says in connection with that in verse 6, he says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Prayer takes faith, doesn't it? Which is why, moms and dads, We need to help our kids build their faith in God. That's where this has to start. We need to help them build faith in the Creator, in the Almighty. Otherwise, all this prayer business, I just didn't go to amount to much. Prayer is predicated upon faith in the power of God, faith in the Word of God, the promises of God, faith in the very presence of God. In fact, let me just recommend right here, parents, that what we need to be doing more of we need to be practicing the presence of God more often. Do you understand what I mean by that? Last week when I preached on uh, repentance, I talked about one of the points that I made in that lesson is how God sees everything. God knows everything. God is keenly aware of everything that we are doing. And sometimes I'm afraid that the only time that we stress that concept to our kids about the omniscience of God, the omnipresence of God, is when they're doing what? when they're misbehaving, when they're doing wrong, when they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. We say, hey, hey, God saw you doing that. God saw you hit your sister. He saw that. But you know what? We need to do more than that. We need to say more than that. God isn't just kind of you know lurking in the shadows somewhere, watching to see if you're going to do a bad thing all the time. No. God sees the good stuff too. We need to say to our kids, you know what? God saw you share today. That made God very happy. Or you know what? God saw you do that kind deed. And that really pleased Him. God saw you open up your Bible and reading your Bible. That made God very, very happy. 
God sees everything that we are doing because we are always in His presence. We read that passage last week in Psalm 139. There's not anywhere that we can go where God's not there. And so mom and dads, the more that we talk about that, the more that we talk in those kinds of terms, the more that we live and practice that kind of understanding, what that does is that helps our kids to naturally, naturally want to speak to God because they've come to realize God is there. He is everywhere that I go. Whatever I'm doing, God is there. And that He does see everything. And that yes, He does hear everything. That would include our prayers. That, I believe, is the beginning of an understanding about prayer. That's a foundation for good prayer. Which would lead right into this second truth this morning. And that is we want to help our kids to understand that prayer is not meant to be complicated. And parents, this is where you're going to have to just be very, very direct. We need to just strip prayer down to its very most basic definition when we're talking and helping our kids understand this. We're going to bring this down even to the level of a two-year-old or a three-year-old. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. It's talking to God. It does not get any simpler than that. Prayer is us talking to the Lord. Now, it's important for us to then keep things here at this really basic level because it won't be very long as your kids get older, as they start getting around other people, as they start processing lots of other information, your kids are going to start hearing all kinds of rules about how you have to pray. You know the kinds of rules I'm talking about? Now, this is how you got to do it. If you don't say these certain words at the end of your prayer, that doesn't count. Uh, this right here, this is how you have to say this exact phrase. Gotta use this terminology exactly when you start a prayer. If you don't start a prayer with these specific words, ah, that's not a good prayer. And oh, what about with your body? What are you supposed to do with your body when you pray? Oh, you better kneel. Better get down on your knees. Better get down on your hands and knees. That's what you gotta do. Kneeling's the way to go. If you're not kneeling, well, then you're not really praying. And then of course there's always gonna be people who want us to pray to God in the King James English. If you're not saying thee, Thou and thine and withereth and goeth and all of those words, well, then I'm sorry, you're not really praying. You know, I always wondered, I always wondered what people did in prayer before Shakespeare came along. Man, I'd really like to talk to God today, but I just don't have any King James English to pray with Him. But the truth of the matter is, there's going to be lots of rules like that. That your kids are going to hear and they're going to start getting fed all along the way. People are going to try to impress those things upon you and upon your children. And it's going to end up making prayer way more complicated than God ever intended for it to be. And one of the side effects of that is that it's going to cause our kids to think of prayer in very magical sorts of terms. That is, think about magic. Think about magic spells. Think about magic tricks. You're not real magic. But in the books of magic, think about Harry Potter and all of that kind of stuff, Harry has to say the magic spell in exactly the right way, doesn't he? Does, if he doesn't say the exact right words in the exact right way, then it doesn't count. Nothing's going to happen. The magic does not appear. And you know what? Whenever we burden prayer with those kinds of rules, where you got to say it in exactly this sort of way, you got to do this, and make sure you use these words, and use this kind of language, and use this kind of posture with your body, then what we are doing is we are essentially saying to our kids, you better say the magic spell just right. That's essentially what we are saying. Listen to me very carefully. 
The Bible never treats prayer in that way. Not ever. Prayer is just talking to God. And I know that because our Lord showed us that. In Matthew the 6th chapter, would you turn there? In Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wanted to model prayer for His disciples. And I want you to notice just how simple His prayer is. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus does not say, now when you pray, you got to put on your best suit and tie. That's, that, that, that's going to lead to good prayer. Jesus does not say, when you pray, you better make sure you get in the appropriate posture with your body. Better get down, you better kneel just like this. No. Jesus does not say, when you pray, you better use these exact right words. No. Jesus doesn't say anything like that. Matthew 6 verse 9, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's that's pretty simple, isn't it? That's just talking to the Lord. We know how to talk, don't we? We know how to converse. We know how to say the things that are in our heart whenever we're talking to someone that we love, someone that we trust, someone that we care about. That's what we're doing in prayer. We're talking to God. Now, right here is a wonderful place then for us to talk to our kids about putting some thought into what we say to God. You know, everybody has people in their lives where the relationship with those people is its just really, really casual and there's just not a lot of depth to that relationship. And as a result, whenever we encounter those folks and we see them out in public or we run into them somewhere, the conversation is, it's usually pretty lame. It usually just consists of trading a bunch of cliches back and forth. How you doing? Fine. How you doing? Fine. Hey, how's the weather? Hot enough for you? Cold enough for you? How about them wildcats? How about them cardinals? Hey, good to see you. Hey, good to see you too. We'll talk to you later. I'll talk later you too. That's just kind of lame, isn't it? That's just not real deep. Nothing really going on there. There's no real relationship there. There's no real coming together. There's no real sharing where we come to know that person and appreciate that person, really come to know them. And all too often with our kids, we just teach them a bunch of cliches. We just fill them with a bunch of stock phrases that really don't have a whole lot of thought put into them. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. God is great. God is good. Now we thank Him for this food. You know, at some level, maybe at a very, very young age, maybe that can be an appropriate starting point. Don't want to dismiss that altogether. But pretty soon we want our kids to understand that that's not real conversation. That's not really talking to the Lord. That's not really telling God the things that are in our hearts, the things that are in our mind. Prayer is not about recitation. Prayer is about a conversation. Now, I said all this stuff about how prayer is just talking to God. And I may have even left people with the impression that, well, you can just kind of talk to God with no rules, no constraint. Just talk to God any old way that you want. But that wouldn't be entirely accurate, would it? Because even though prayer is just talking, it's not just anybody that we're talking to. Who are we talking to? We're talking to God. Let that sink in for a second. We're talking to the Almighty, 
the great I am, the creator of the universe, the Lord. We are talking to God and there is a certain way that we are to talk to God. And it is not casual. It is not flippant. And we do not talk to God like we talk to our buddies or even how we would even talk to our parents. He is God. And the word that I am looking for here is the word reverence. Reverence. We want to talk to God. We want to talk to Him reverently. That's so important. Look in Exodus the third chapter. In Exodus chapter 3, Scripture speaks to this in Exodus 3. As Moses was tending sheep, he saw a burning bush. It took him a little while to realize that he was actually in the presence of God. And that he was now actually going to have an encounter here. He's going to talk to God. In Exodus chapter 3, look in verse 5. The Lord speaks to him from that bush. In Exodus 3 and verse 5, the Lord said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. You get close to God, things start changing. Things have to be different. Our entire approach to God has to be different. In fact, if you continue on in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 20, in Exodus chapter 20, Moses would deliver to the people those commandments that God had given to him up on the mountain. And in Exodus 20, I want you to notice how important it was to God that people speak of Him rightly. That people speak of Him reverently, even in how they invoke His name. In Exodus 20 and in verse 7, the Lord says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes His name in vain. And of course, when we come to the New Testament, Jesus incorporates that very idea. What did Jesus say in that model prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do your kids know how to hallow God's name? Do they know what that means? To set it apart? To treat God's name? To treat God as special? Yes, I'll say again, we are just talking. But we don't ever want to think that all oh, this is just, that's ah, just no big deal. It's not any big deal at all. No, it is a big deal. It's a very big deal. We're talking to the Creator of the universe. And the passage that I think we really want here is in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Would you find Hebrews 4? In Hebrews 4, there's some great encouragement given here about prayer. Because we're told at the conclusion of this chapter in Hebrews chapter 4 that we need to pray, that we ought to pray. In Hebrews chapter 4 and in verse 16, the writer says then, Let us then with confidence draw near, notice this, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How would you act in the throne room of a mighty king? If you were coming into the throne room of a powerful and majestic king, how would you act? We know how we would act. That's how we want to act whenever we approach the king. And that is why it is very natural for us to bow our heads. And maybe it is natural for us to kneel and to get down, to prostrate ourselves. Because we are bowing ourselves in submission to the one who is seated on the throne, the king. And so when we talk about prayer, it's not intended to be some big complicated to do, nearly impossible to figure out. No, we want our kids to see that it's just talking, it's just conversing with the Lord. 
But that we want to always do that with the right kind of attitude, with respect and with awe, always being mindful of who it is that we are speaking to. Because finally, thirdly, we want to teach our kids, we want to teach them that prayer is more than a fire alarm that you pull whenever there's an emergency. You know, in some ways it seems kind of foolish to have to even teach people how to pray because seemingly everybody knows how to pray. All you have to do is just put them in a crisis situation and people know how to pray in a hurry. You remember that airplane that got landed in the Hudson River just a few years ago by Captain Sully? There's a movie out now about Captain Sully. How he landed that plane safely in the river and everybody lived. It's a great, great story. I remember seeing a a news piece where a a news reporter had interviewed all of the passengers on the plane. At one point or another, she had talked to all the passengers on the plane. And she reported that when that plane hit the flock of geese in the air and the engines began to shut down, she said that every single passenger began to pray. You know, what do soldiers often say about times of war? They say there's no atheists in foxholes. Why is that? Well, because when people get into a jam, when people get into trouble, they start figuring that prayer thing out pretty, pretty quickly. They start crying out to God, God, help me. Lord, help me in this situation. Lord, I need you right now. And I want to be clear. That's not bad. We can call out to God. In fact, Jesus wants to make sure that we understand that. Look at Matthew 7. In Matthew chapter 7, shortly after Jesus has delivered that model prayer, He says in Matthew chapter 7, there's certainly a place for petitioning God. In Matthew 7, look in verse 7. Matthew 7 verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Verse 11 now. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? We can ask. We can call out to God. We can make requests of God. And we can make requests of God even in times of emergency, times of tragedy. But of course, when someone hasn't spoken to God for like 10 years, haven't given the first thought to God, and then they find themselves in a really prickly and terrible situation, And now they're pulling that fire alarm. They're pulling it hard. And they're asking God to bail them out. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of depth of relationship there, does it? You know, if you won the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes, and those people from the Publishers Clearinghouse, they show up at your door with that big giant cardboard check, and they've got all the TV cameras, and this is being satellited out across the entire world because you've now won a hundred million dollars You know what's going to happen next. You know exactly what's going to happen next. You're going to have relatives that you didn't even know start coming out of the woodwork. You're going to start getting Facebook friend requests from people that you never even heard of before. Everybody's going to want to be your friend now. All of these people, they're going to come flocking to you. They're going to butter you up every way that you can because you now have the ability to do something for them. That's a pretty shallow kind of relationship. But you know what? Isn't it also a pretty shallow kind of relationship? People don't care about the Lord. And by the very way in which they've lived their life, they've basically said, Lord, I'm not going to worship you. 
I'm not going to live your way. In fact, I'd really appreciate it if you just get off my back and leave me alone. Oh, hold on, hold on, Lord. I've got something really, really bad going on. I just went to the doctor last week and I got this really terrible report. Lord, can you, can you make me better really quick? We need to teach our children better than that. We want our children to see that prayer is born out of a real relationship with the Father. In fact, Scripture teaches that without that relationship, ah, prayer just isn't going to mean much. Look in the book of Proverbs, please. In Proverbs 15, get a little wisdom literature here. In Proverbs 15, look in verse 29. In Proverbs 15 and verse 29, the wise man speaks about prayer here. And he says in Proverbs 15 and in verse 29, he says the following, he says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. You see, there has to be some kind of an ongoing relationship here with God if prayer is going to be what it really ought to be. What would be the New Testament counterpart to that? Well, that would be 1 Peter chapter 3. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says something very, very similar. Look in verse 12. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 12, Peter says here, 1 Peter 3 and verse 12, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The idea here of being righteous It doesn't just mean that our lives are right with God. It means even more fully that that we are in concert with God. That we are in step with God. We are walking with God. We are in tune. Our will is in tune with His will. And what that means is, is that means that prayer is a whole lot more than I need this and I want this and God, could you please hurry up and fix this? We don't want to teach our kids that that's what prayer is all about. We don't want to teach our kids that prayer is some kind of a wish list. That God is like the genie in the lamp and you've got to rub the lamp through prayer to get Him to answer all your wishes. In fact, what we really want to teach our kids is we want to teach them and we want to practice with them that there's all kinds of praying that we can and should do. We want to try that different kind of praying with our kids. For example, look in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Here's a great little passage about prayer. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Look at what Paul says in verse 1. In 1 Timothy 2 and in verse 1, Paul says, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now, I want you to notice, Paul says, yes, there's certainly a place for that supplication stuff. That is, petitioning God for things. Making requests for things for ourselves. But what about that very next thing that he mentions there? Intercessions. Praying on behalf of somebody else. Asking God's blessings for another person altogether. Do we teach our kids and encourage them to pray intercessions? Or what about the next thing? What about prayers of thanksgiving? That is where we just thank God. We just praise Him for all of His goodness, all of His kindnesses, all of His provisions for our lives. We can add to this what John says in 1 John chapter 1 about prayers of confession, where we confess our sins to the Lord in prayer. We seek His mercy and His pardon as we pray. You see, there's all kinds of praying that we need to be involved in. Much more than just asking God for things in times of crisis. And we want to tell our kids about that. We want to expose our kids to the richness of prayer. Prayer is not about getting. 
Prayer's not a, some kind of a, a crowbar where I'm going to use this and I'm going to lever out of heaven exactly what I desire. No. Prayer is about something much more important. Look in John 15, please. In John 15, in many ways, what might very well be the most important passage about prayer in all of Scripture. In John 15 and in verse 7, Jesus says this. John 15 verse 7, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see what Jesus says there? Jesus is saying that prayer is not about getting what we want. Prayer is about putting God and His Word deep into our hearts so that we will then want what God wants. That's what prayer is about. It's not about how I can scratch and claw and grasp until God finally gives me all of my materialistic desires. No! I want to abide in Jesus. I want Jesus' words to abide in me, to fill me, because that will then change me from the inside out. Prayer is not about changing a bunch of circumstances to fit me. Prayer is not about making everything easier for me. Prayer is not about making everything better for me. Prayer is about changing me. The Word of God is abiding in me so that I will then ask God for what God wants. God will then give me the things that He wants. You see, prayer helps me to learn to want what God wants. And that's at the heart of prayer. And that's why Jesus says things like He does in His own praying, like, not my will, but Thine be done. You see how prayer is so much more than pulling that proverbial fire alarm. It is the place where I come to see if I am truly in step with the Lord, to see if my will is aligned with His will. That's the essence of prayer. And that is something that we want to convey our children as we help them to learn to pray. You know, there is a lot that you have to teach kids. There's lots that they have to learn, lots they have to be exposed to. And in many ways, I do believe that prayer is one of the very most important of those things. But it's also one of the most rewarding and one of the most exciting things. One fellow shared the following after listening to his three-year-old son, Colton, pray at bedtime. He said the following. He said, Colton's humble little prayer started with the formal, Dear God, And then he proceeded to thank God. He thanked God for my mommy and daddy, my Parker and Taylor, toys, umbrellas, Disneyland, beds, donuts, McDonald's, Taco Bell, pencils, the mailman, my teddy bear, Kleenex, cowboy movies, candy, motorcycles, band-aids, church, my Bible class teachers, flowers and grass in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we smile and we chuckle a little bit at children's praying. I'll be honest with you, I can't remember the last time that I thanked God for Taco Bell. But you know what? Maybe that's one of the wonderful things about teaching children to pray. Is that as they pray, they teach us so much about what prayer means. What it means with childlike faith to approach the Father. Let's help them. Let's be proactive to help them even as they help us to draw closer to God through the avenue of prayer. Now perhaps there's somebody here this morning whose will is not aligned with the will of the Father. 
You're not walking in step with God. Rather, you're walking out of step with God. What you need to know, friend, this morning, is that there's some praying going on. That we're praying for you. We are. We are praying for you. We are praying that you will surrender your will to the will of God. And that you will do that in heartfelt obedience to the gospel. In heartfelt obedience to God's plan, what God has designed in order for people to be forgiven of their sins and to be saved. If you're not a Christian, what we are encouraging you to do this morning is to come to God in faith, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, repenting and turning from sin and being baptized in water for the remission of those sins. You can come up out of that water something brand new. You can become a child of God. Begin serving God faithfully, living righteously. One of the great promises of Scripture, that God does hear the prayers of the righteous. If you are a child of God, but you've not been serving Him faithfully, you are away from the Lord, you've stopped walking in step with God, brother or sister, you need to know we're praying for you. And in fact, if there is sin in your life that is yet to be repented of, and you want to call upon us, your brothers and your sisters, your family here, to pray with you in a very public kind of way and encourage you in a public kind of way, then we stand ready to do that this morning as well. Let's all get ready to be faithful, to serve the Lord. We can know the joys of prayer. We can know the joys of what it means to be one of God's children, be with Him in eternity when this life is over. You're subject to the invitation in any way. We implore you through the words of this song to respond. Would you do that right now while we stand and while we sing?